Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports where we are a guy and a girl who just really love to talk all things sports. And if you're somebody who loves to do the same, then make sure you are tuning in over here every Monday and Thursday at 6am on any podcast platform you can think of. We will be there. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you review. Just tune in. Yeah, but thank you guys so much for listening. We know there's a ton of sports podcasts and just content out there to listen to so we appreciate everybody that tunes in to us but if you also want a daily fix of a guy and a girl talk sports we do have social media we're primarily on instagram but we do have facebook and they are both gg talk sports so let's get into episode 24 all right so this weekend was some crazy it was a variety of sports we really got spoiled we had boxing we had soccer we had basketball we had some football i mean it was incredible we were really really kind of just Hashtag blessed with the amount of sports that we got to watch. I know. I think it's kind of a weird time period because most people assume it's a lull in sports because everybody thinks the NFL is over. But now we have the XFL filling in that blank and we have a lot of basketball ramping up. So it has been a really good weekend for all around sports in general. Yeah, but we're just going to get into today's highlights. So the first one, shout out to arguably the goat of soccer. And that is Mr. Messi himself. He put up four goals in their game this weekend. It was freaking incredible. The first one is my personal favorite. Go comment on our Instagram, GG Talk Sports. Which goal was your favorite? I thought the first one was just filthy. The between the legs with three defenders and then across the net on the keeper. I mean, it was nice. It was clean. It was super cool. Also, I'm just always impressed with how kind of effortless it looks for him. It just looks so easy when he has those three defenders on him and yet he just pulls out something crazy and always manages to score. So he's always somebody that's extremely fun to watch and creates a lot of sports center top 10 type goals all right so now kind of turning the page on the soccer book we are now going to go to another sport that does require a goalie and that is hockey because we have an incredible story about a goalie well not just any goalie a 42 year old Zamboni driver that was (laughs) sitting in the stadium or I guess in the ice rink during the game and all of a sudden got called down to play he was literally sitting in the booth with his wife or box or wherever he was and got called down to play because their goalie got KO'd two he was done yeah in the game and then he was their last hope to even have a goalie playing so they called him in had him put on a jersey I saw he had like a minor league helmet on and like a completely different he was swagging pants on and then of course he had a jersey on but like he had to kind of hodgepodge together an outfit to even be able to get out on the ice but all right just think about this you're at the sporting event with your family you're sitting there eating some popcorn maybe drinking a coke and then all of a sudden you get this phone like just text message on your phone saying hey get down get here. down here like you're needed you're, <laughs> you're needed like and he got 500 dollars. he got paid 500 bucks i know and that. he he allowed two goals which it was on the first two attempts they scored both goals but then he came back in the third period yep, with eight saves and told his team he would be back and ready for the third the third period and he definitely did he saved eight you said and they ended up winning the game with their third string zamboni driver <laughs> 42-year-old Zamboni driver. So shout out. To make his NHL debut. (laughs) (laughs) So shout out to Mr. David Ayers. That's just badass. I think it's hilarious. It's it's an amazing thing to see. He said Um, it himself. A a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Like, that stuff never happens. So I mean, the coach even said it himself, too, at the end of the game. He was saying, like, fellas, y'all just witnessed, like, 
a, a historical moment for you for a this. Bit, like you'll look back on this. To a memory, yeah. yeah, you'll look back on this as a huge memory. Um, so it, it's really cool, really special to see somebody completely random step up for a team that they probably really weren't really that associated with. Yeah. Um, but all right, we're gonna stay in the hockey realm for one more announcement because shout out to Ovi, seven hundred goals. That is nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. Definitely, probably, in my opinion, one of the goats of hockey. Yeah. Um, but just an incredible accomplishment to, I mean, 700 goals. Yeah, so he's only the eighth NHL player to actually reach 700 goals, and he's chasing Mr. Wayne Gretzky, the face of hockey, basically. The goat himself. <laughs> um, for his goal record. To, so we'll see if he can get to it in the next... I don't know how old he is, but I wonder how many seasons he's got left. But I definitely think it's something that's possible. He's been able to reach 700 already. Yeah, so he's 34. So it's definitely potentially possible. Yeah. Um, but it'll be incredible to see. Just once again, it's just awesome to see somebody kind of continue the the greatness of hockey at a different generation. And, and have 700 goals in the NHL at this competitive level is pretty impressive. So just congratulations. But all right. We're going to wrap up the hockey talk, and we're going to kind of jump into a sport that is just man against man, and it's it's who, who wins. It's the better man, or the better woman in this <laughs> instance, too. But the first one that I want to talk about is Mr. Paul Felder himself, UFC commentator, also more known for his fighting, but he had an incredible fight against Mr. Hooker, which that sounds weird to say, <laughs> but it was an incredible fight. I personally would have loved to see Felder win. I think in my book it was, but that doesn't matter because in the end he lost in a unanimous de- or he lost in decision. And the press conference afterwards was what really struck me as like a class act because they asked him and he, and he said this might be his last fight ever because of his kid. And so I just want to say if this is his last fight, congratulations on an outstanding career. I'm pretty sure he was. I'm pretty sure. Fact check me if I'm wrong and let us know on Instagram. But. He was the leader in the UFC for most elbow KOs, um, which is a random stat, but think about how kind of crazy it is to be able to throw those punishing elbows. So just congratulations to him on an outstanding career if this is his final fight. But now, the main attraction, the main event, Fury Wilder 2. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it disappointed, but I do think that, in my opinion, it kind of looked like Wilder barely even showed up. Like... I think that he did in the very first round, but then I think that Fury just knocked him down, literally and kind of like mentally. It seems like, All the above. like I feel like Wilder just couldn't even react. Like every every little clip I saw, it just looked like he was clearly like on his heels. He wasn't even like proactively fighting. I think he was just kind of moving away. So it just felt like he didn't actually really show up. But then of course Fury was obviously better and he's massive. Yeah, I mean I think Fury won from the beginning just with his entrance. I mean the fact that he rode in on a throne, sitting in a, a king's chair, was kinda of badass. And then you also had Fury kinda of, no offense, walking like the Predator, which is kinda of cool, it looked hard. But nah, the the Gypsy King hands down won the beginning of the fight. And then also during the fight, yeah, he definitely gave it to him. I think the statistic was Hands down, he won six out of seven of those rounds easily. I think he won all seven. But the stat that I saw was that Fury landed more punches in six out of seven rounds than Wilder did by a huge number. So it was just a really impressive fight for Fury. There is a clause in the contract that they can call for a rematch within the first 30 days of the fight ending. So we'll see if he calls for a rematch. Personally, 
I mean, I think he will, but I don't think there's a need to because even in the first fight, he was still outboxed and he only won because, or he only tied because he knocked Fury down twice. So personally, I don't think that a third fight's going to change anything, but there still is an option that there could be a third fight. Yeah, we'll just see if they end up doing a third one. Um, it could be interesting to see them fight again, but in general, it's kind of. I feel like two was maybe enough, but we'll see if they come back for a third, as they will say, a trilogy. Yeah, but that's going to kind of conclude our highlights of this episode. So we're going to jump into our GG of the episode, which is essentially just kind of a big fat L with a little discussion based on why we think it's an L. And not that anybody that's listening really gives a shit, but (laughs) how we think that they could fix this L next time it happens. So we're going to talk about as much as we give LSU credit on the football side, we're going to kind of bash their basketball side for a second. Yeah. And that is Will Wade, the head coach of LSU basketball. Well, of LSU men's basketball. Yeah, sure. And it's only because of a certain couple of words, couple of phrases, couple of statements, however you want to word it, that he said to the media after their loss. Yeah. And he said essentially, let me pull it up real quick. And this is all paraphrasing, but he said, I don't have any options. If I had options, I'd be playing other guys. We're playing who we have to play. And then he also said, hopefully they'll be improved. If not, we'll be playing home games in the NIT. Which, I understand that part. The last part I'm not really caring about. It's more or less the first part that he said that I'm kind of eh, questioning. Yeah, because we're, I think there were some additional phrases in there too about like, in general, he said, there's a guy that just keeps making the same mistakes. Like, kind of singling somebody out without saying names by any means. But, like... Which is good. Just clearly kind of putting the blame on maybe one guy. And then also there was another comment he made about how when the defense is on their side of the court, like in front of their bench, then they can tell them what they need to do against their defense that they're showing. But when it's on the other side of the court, like, they don't have any players who are going to step up and tell the players what to do. There's no player stepping up to, like, take ownership and build strategy out there. So he's, like, taking the blame off the coaching staff and putting it on the players, which is something that I completely just... I hate. Yeah, I do too, because it's one thing to be able to say, yeah, we can see the defense up close and personal when it's in front of our bench, but at the same time, you can still see the defense on the other side. It's not like a court is that freaking massive to where it's so far away that you don't know what's happening. And I get that it's probably a little bit more difficult, and it would be nice to have a player or two who kind of knows the scheme and can step in and be able to really rally the team together down on that side of the court. But at the same time, you're still the coach, and you're still the person responsible for making sure they know how to address a defense. And also, isn't that the whole point of like watching film before and strategizing and building a game plan so that the players know what to do? So I feel like if that's an issue, then that still comes back to coaching on the front end rather than in the middle of the game. Yeah, the coach is, is the leader of the team. He is. He might not be literally on the court, one of the five men on the actual court, but he's on the court standing there watching, coaching, teaching, trying to analyze the game and give their team the best chance to win. And the fact of the matter is, they've lost the last four out of five games. And I think that the press conference, you could really tell his frustration. And as a coach, kind of like Coach Cal, I'll use him as an example. He's very calm, cool, collective. When Kentucky was kind of shitty at the very beginning of the season, and they were not playing at the best potential level that they could, Coach Cal didn't panic. Coach Cal never said anything negative to the media. He said, we're going to be all right. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to be all right. That was literally his statement. It was not those words, but it was something along those lines. But almost basically like that. <laughs> and I think that LSU, Will Wade, needs to take a script out of Coach Cal's playbook and 
handle the media a little differently because that goes back to your players. As much as you say don't look at the media, you do. Oh, yeah. You and hear I mean, things. It wouldn't feel good to be one of the players who was potentially the one that was making mistakes and then know your coach is calling you out to the public. It wouldn't feel good to be like somebody on that team whenever the coach was saying, like, nobody on our team is stepping up. Like, that wouldn't feel good either. Yeah. And I get the frustration of not being able to win a lot of the last games, but at the same time, like, this is a good opportunity for you to be able to build your players up, not keep tearing them down. So I just think... And make a statement why you should be the coach. Yeah, I exactly. personally think, like, that's your job. Yeah. And so we think this is a big fat L because we just always don't appreciate when a coach tries to take the responsibility off of them and put it on the players. Yes, there is responsibility on the players as well, but as a coach, you're supposed to take ownership over it, and we just didn't feel like in this situation he was doing that. So maybe it's another example from our last episode where it's just the heat of the moment and you say the wrong things, but hopefully he lets his players know that and lets them know that he's still on the same team as them because it kind of it was a bit of a divide, I would say, between coaching and players. Yeah. conversation just keep it internal so for example i'll use a real life situation real quick at pitt state during my junior no senior year very beginning of my senior year we had a little mix up with our snapper holder it was just it wasn't working our rhythm was off we had a couple missed kicks a couple block kicks because of rhythm and i'm i actually remember somebody asking like the coach like what's going on and he didn't say anything he said we're gonna be all right we're gonna be fine like it's just it's just a practice thing like we just got to get used to the rhythm he didn't say like and our snapper's shitty. And our holder's ki- our holder's shittier. And Chad's crappy. He's a bad kicker. Like you know, keep that internal. Like, yeah. and then he called me up to his office and we had a discussion and we we fixed it. We switched out our long snapper and the yeah. problem was solved. No offense to anybody. That's just what happened and how it worked. But so just keep it internal, man. That that's just the only thing. So big yeah. fat L on that one. Let us know what you guys think. Do you think that? Do you like coaches saying that to the media? Or do you like when a coach keeps it internally and kind of talks it out amongst the players? Let us know. GG, talk sports. Yeah, so after that, we are going to head into our big topic of the day, which we've been focused pretty heavily on the NFL in the last few episodes. So we're going to switch it over to the NBA today because we are getting closer to the NBA playoffs. And we are going to talk through our top five point guards in the NBA right now. There are a few caveats that we'll outline to begin with because... Obviously, some of our favorites are out with injuries. There's a few people we excluded for certain reasons. So, Chad, you want to outline some of those caveats we have before we get into it? Yeah, but I do want to say thank you so much to one of our Instagram followers because we got into a discussion about this and we're like, hey, you know what? This could be a really fun conversation. So, not to plug it, but GG Talk Sports is our Instagram. Check it out. And the caveat is going to be we're not going to do anybody that is not a true point guard this year. So, yeah. for example, James Harden is technically playing the two spot for the Rockets. So, he is excluded. And then also, we're, we're sadly not going to do anybody that is not currently active. So for or, we're, I think it's kind of more so we're going to not do anybody who hasn't been playing a majority of the season. So, there are a few yeah. point guards that have been out for like a game or two here and there. But players that have been out for the basically entirety of the season or a good chunk of it, we're going to exclude them from the conversation a.k.a. Steph Curry, we're not going to include him because he's clearly missed a majority of the season. Kyrie Irving, we're not going to include him because he's missed a lot and is out for the rest of the season. So those are just a few John examples yeah, of ones we're going to leave out of the conversation since they're currently not in the mix. All right, so we're going to talk about the first one because we, we both agree with this one, and this is Russell Westbrook, Mr. Why Not Himself. <laughs> yeah. I mean... He's filthy right now. I think he's playing at an elite level. I think he, it just took a little bit. He just had to figure out his rhythm with the Rockets. It's a completely different team. 
completely different offense, completely yeah. different like schematical, you know, adjustment for him because yeah. well, now they're playing completely small ball, which is a whole different discussion in itself. Right. But I think that he is a monster piece obviously to the Rock- Rockets success and also to the Rockets being able to kind of get over the Beards curse in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that that's going to come to be proven as well um, when the playoffs are all around. But I'm going to rattle off some of his stats because although these are not saying that he's top five for these metrics, these metrics are across the entire NBA. So I think the fact that he's this high in these metrics shows that he's clearly in the top five if we're just looking at point guards. So his points this season are 27.2, which is eighth in the league. Um, His assists are 7.2, which is 11th in the league. His rebounds are 7.9, which is 22nd in the league. And basically all that to say, he's at least in the top 25 players in the NBA, which I think would automatically put him in the top five for point guards. But it's also crazy to think, because if you were to ask him, hey, how do you think your stats look? He would say crappy, because that's like actually not even Westbrook-esque. No, and I think that if we looked probably in the last 15 games rather than the entire season, I think those stats would look a lot better because, like you just said, it took him a minute to kind of adjust to the new schematics that the Rockets have. So I think if you looked even more closely at the last 10 to 15 games, those would be boosted more than they are averaged over the entire season. Yeah, but all right, I can't argue that. Westbrook, hands down, one of the top five guards in the NBA currently, I think the next one we both agree on, and that is Mr. Dame Dollar himself. What he's been able to do in the NBA is, I mean, it's Dame time. Like, literally, yeah. it, it's it's incredible. He's probably, without Curry in the mix right now, he's probably maybe the greatest long ball three-point shooter in the NBA right now. Yeah, and I know that there's another point guard on your side of the list that competes in that. I don't know if he made your list, but it was one that was in contention, and that was Trey Young. So I don't know. If he I know, he, list, does. he does. Ice, ice nice. cold. He's in there. Ball shot. But yeah, I think Dame is absolutely one of the top five right now, especially this season because of that rhythm he hit. We've talked about it a few times in some of our podcasts about the NBA and just highlights in our picks. Um, But he's been on a crazy streak with his um, field goal percentage and his assists and just the way that he's leading that team has been super impressive. Yeah, I mean, the guy's averaging 29.5, so he's fourth in points. Okay. And then his rebound's... I mean, for him, I feel like that's pretty good, 4.4. So that's really good for him. And then assist-wise, he's sitting at about 7.9, which is currently 6th. Okay. So 100%, I think he's a top 5 point guard in the league. There's no questions asked about Damian Lillard being in discussion for top 5. So we're just going to kind of skip through that one because that's an easy kind of given one. The next one we both agree on, but I'm just going to put this out there for me because this was the hardest one for me to throw in there. And it's because I don't look at him as a point guard. I know he plays like one. I know he is positionally a point guard, but I just don't look at him like one. And then also, if if any of those three guards were healthy, he'd be out. But this one is Mr. Ben Simmons himself. Hopefully, he's all right. The lower back's concerning injury because it's it's weird with a basketball player because that's really where you take most of the wear and tear and your yeah. knees, of course. But with that being said, he's definitely a top five point guard. The way that he plays offensively. And defensively is why I would put him in that category because all around, I think besides Westbrook, he's one of the most tenacious players in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. I think that he absolutely, I think you can just see it over these last two games where the 76ers haven't had him. He's clearly the person that facilitates everything that happens on that team. big glue player. Yeah, because they have not been able to do anything without him. And I just think 
that with his stats, especially his assists, he has 8.2 a game this season, and that's fifth in the NBA. And I think that just shows you that he's clearly the person on that team who makes everything happen. He doesn't score as much as some other point guards. He scores 16.7 points a game, which is 57th in the NBA. But what's his efficiency? Because that's one thing that I would say is he doesn't take many threes, which we need to talk about that because I think that he can. Yeah. But... It doesn't matter. He just doesn't. But because he is always shooting close range, I think it's probably super high. Yeah, that would be my assumption is that he's probably more of an efficient player than a lot of these guys that we're talking about because he takes a lot of those shorter shots. So that's another good thing to kind of talk about because at the end of the day, that's a really important thing. The lower amount of shots and the more amount of makes, the better off you are. Yeah, I agree. I think that he just provides a super efficient Um, leadership role on that team and uh, like the point of a point guard is to really just make everybody else look good and I think that he does that so I agree I think he definitely should be in the top five hence why he's there but I agree also that if some of the injured players were in the conversation it would be hard to keep him in there but he's definitely playing really well but this is one the next one that I should have said before Ben Simmons because this is he was going to be in here regardless okay and that is Mr. Mighty Mouse CP3 himself (laughs) this is your phrase of the day Mr. Somebody I love him man big fan of CP3 what he's been able to do the way that he's been able to handle himself through this whole transition, mm-hmm. and I've heard a bunch of things saying that all he cares about is trying to make himself the best version of himself that he can be, and that's fantastic, yeah. man. That's how you want a player. Yeah, and I think that he does the same thing for his teammates, too. I know 100%. that he has helped mentor some of the other younger players on the Thunder, which has been super beneficial to them, obviously, um, but I think that, once again, when you go back to talking about being a point guard and facilitating and making everybody else around you be successful, I think he's like the definition of that. Yeah, 100%. He's the one person in the NBA that has been able to adapt as a point guard. Mm -hmm. I mean, for years and years. He's the only one that I can think of that has truly adapted and still been great. Yeah. Statistically, and just amongst conversations as one of the best point guards ever, which is incredible. A 34-year-old... CP3 is still in the conversation for one of the best point guards in the NBA, given there's a lot of injuries right now. Yeah. But he would still, in my personal opinion, be up there. Yeah, I think he would definitely still be in the conversation, especially this year, like we said, because he is on a brand new team and he's still been able to be so successful. And the success in the fourth quarter is the real reason why I think he is up there because I don't remember exactly what his numbers were, but he leads the NBA in almost every single category in the fourth quarter which is incredible that's like the most important yeah Yeah. clutch (laughs) the clutch gene that's what you need so stats so his stats aren't quite as good as everybody else but that fourth quarter just bumps it up a whole nother you give it a times 10 so his points 17.6 tied for 51st five rebounds 89th and then 6.6 assists 17th so statistically you wouldn't look at him on paper and say He's one of the top five point guards. But if you watch them, if yeah. you've seen the, the Thunder's success, their yeah. record this year, my yeah. God, that's a whole different discussion. Agreed. Um, he has to be in conversation. But the two that, or I guess technically the one that we're going to argue about. Our fifth spot. And there's a lot that could be shifted into this fifth spot. So yeah. let us know, GG Talk Sports, who you guys think. So the the three that I guess are the four that didn't make our debate or discussion and no offense to y'all y'all are fantastic players yeah but we got D'Lo D'Angelo Russell I think he's a fantastic player really talented I just haven't been able to see everything I want to see yet yeah we got Trey Young I mean 
he he was the he's oh man it was Ben he's Simmons close, or yeah. Trey Young in my personal opinion and I just lean towards Ben Simmons because all around just he's just an all around better player on yeah, the defensive so side yeah. so far. Um, you then have Zoe, who I think, like you said, could be in discussion for one of the most improved players of the year. Yeah, I think so, and definitely the most improved, probably point guard of the year. True. He's definitely grown into that role and has improved his shot too, which will put him probably in the conversation over the next few years for maybe one of the best. Maybe we'll if, see. You'll ne- you never know. Hopefully, yeah. you wish that upon him. And then the last one, who everybody sleeps on, everybody always just says, "Eh, he's all right. Eh, he's not good enough to do this, to do that." Kyle Lowry. Yeah. People need to stop hating on the man and just say that he can ball and that he plays for his team. I think him and Fred Van Vliet, you could even say he's maybe arguably in this category for discussion because he's been putting people on skates. Um, But those are our kind of people that made the bubble. And also another one I'm going to throw in there is Derek Rose, too, a classic oh, veteran Mr. Who Rose. I think is still proving to everybody that he's great, and I, I don't know why he keeps having to prove that, probably because of injuries, but I think it's he's sad. still able to prove it. He's definitely done a lot for the Pistons, so I'll throw his name in there, too, as a bubble point guard. I like that. Okay, so who did you actually go with for your fifth spot, since all those were in contention but didn't quite make the cut? People are probably going to hate on me for this, and they're going to say, he's a rookie, he's too young, he hasn't done enough yet, but I'm a huge Jean Morant fan. Mm -hmm. And let me just say why. Because to come into the NBA, to the Memphis Grizzlies, who are terrible, who have been terrible, and to be able to rejuvenate that team... And I know that he has a lot of good young players around him. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from, you know, the roster that they've put together because they are very good and talented all around. But the fact that he's the leader, he's the one that's been able to step up in the big-time moments, have a triple-double, which is incredible. And then also, not to mention the numbers that he's been putting up. So he's putting up about 17.6 points per game, which is 50th. He's averaging about four rebounds a game, which is not so great. But his assist, he's averaging 6.9, which is 12. So yeah, I think that overall as a point guard, and he's very, I think he's, people said he wasn't going to play great defense, but I think he's actually played a lot better defense than people have given him credit for. Yeah, so I think so too. I think that all around, he definitely has to be in discussion for one of the top five point guards right now in the league. Yeah. At least thrown in there. And, and in my personal opinion, I think he is. I think the way that he's, you've got to look at records too. And I think that, no offense, but Trey Young, the Hawks' record is not that good. Yeah. Kyle Lowry, all right. He Very probably good. should be the one in there. He honestly probably should be the one in there for job, but, you know, Just we can debate it. that. And then D'Lo, he just got traded. Yeah. And no offense, but the Warriors were crappy. Yeah. Due to injury. Yeah. And the T-Wolves are crappy just due to the T-Wolves being the T-Wolves. Yeah. So I think that either it was job ja, Ben, or Kyle Lowry, those were my three kind of shifting around pieces yeah. but i ended up picking jaw just because I, I like the way that he plays i like the way that he's carried himself and i like the turnaround that he's had in memphis yeah i agree i think he's been able to adapt to the nba really quickly considering yeah. i mean he was basically a nobody bet- before the like ncaa tournament last yeah. year so it's impressive to see what he's already been able to accomplish so i definitely think that he's in the in the conversation he's not who i gave my fifth spot to i love yours so i gave my fifth spot to kimba walker who i think found himself a really good place to call home at the Boston Celtics. I mean, he was already really great at the Charlotte Hornets, but I think that he's really been able to come into a team that has a lot of skilled players and a lot of good talent, and that's been able to put him 
out as like on showcase for his abilities too. His stats are kind of similar to like a CP3 where his stats don't look as good as like the Russell Westbrooks of the world or some of the other players that we mentioned. But I think just the way that he's been able to step in at the Celtics and really bring that team together after they got rid of Kyrie, I think has proven that he's one of the best point guards in the NBA. But just to rattle off his stats, he scores about 21.8 points a game, which is 20th in the NBA. He has five assists a game, which sounds not like a lot, but I think he still is a good facilitator because he does just move the ball so well, I think, that he sets up players. Well, the Celtics offense is so... Not selfish. Yeah. If I guess it, maybe that's not the right word, but something like that. Not yeah. self-centered. Yeah. They, they pass the rock. They yeah. move the ball. They get to the open player. They make the extra pass. Right. The Rockets' offense is you take the shot because statistics play, heavier you know, to their, heavier yeah. to their their kind of advantage or, or their style of play. So right. No, I think that five assists in the Celtics' offense is still really good. Yeah, I agree because I think that he just allows things to happen around him and then he has four rebounds a game which is definitely not the best but he's also not one of the biggest point I mean, he's under out six there. foot right isn't he like five uh, eleven i mean on paper foot. on paper he's six according foot. to espn he's six foot so he's probably not six foot. you stand but, next to the dude he's like five eleven yeah so he's definitely not one of the bigger guys so i wouldn't expect him to have too many more rebounds than that but i just think once again you stepped into some big shoes and you stepped into a lot of expectation and I think that he's really been able to live up to that on the Celtics so because of that I put him in my top five yeah but let me just say that if Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving are healthy Ben Simmons and John Moran are out Mm -hmm. and then I think I know this sounds really really kind of twisted but Kyle Lowry slips in as the sixth man I don't know why. I don't know how just, that makes sense. How, how, how the I get piece... what you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, the injuries definitely plays a part into the decisions that we made because Steph Curry would absolutely be in my top five if he were healthy and if he were playing, which we should see him back according to what everybody's saying in the next week or two. We don't know how we feel about that for sure, but that can be a conversation for another day. <laughs> but he would definitely make the top five if he was healthy. Um, Kyrie Irving, I think, obviously would too for me, but it would just be hard just because... He's not my favorite player in general, but he is super talented, so I wouldn't be able to argue with it. But yeah, looking at this, looking back on paper, I'm probably crazy for picking John Moran as a top yeah. five point guard, but I just like the style of play that he has, and I like what he's brought to Memphis, so I'm going to stick with it. Stick with it, and also the upside on him is so high, too. Like yeah. He's got, the limits are, do not exist with him. True, but I mean, big fan of Kyle Lowry and what he's been able to do with Kawhi Leonard leaving, and also the injuries that they've had, and also the injuries that he's had, so... Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, he is a really great point guard, and he's been the glue for the Raptors for so long through the good and the bad, so I'm glad that he got himself a championship. Yeah, so we are going to post our top five over on our Instagram, ggtalksports, so make sure you're hopping over there because I highly doubt that everybody agrees 100% with our picks. No way. So go over there and let us know who your top five is and why because we would love to know and love to have the conversation going. GG Talk Sports. Now let's get into one of our favorite spots, and that is the GG Picks aspect of our episode where we are going to cover off on some of the big games upcoming. I'm assuming that the games are still going to be a lot of basketball because this is big basketball season. We're getting into literally the month of March, which means madness is supposed to commence, but it kind of already has. But hit us with our first game. Yeah, so you're right. Every single game is basketball. So if you guys are done with listening to basketball, just leave, I guess. (laughs) Just kidding. Let it run. Um, But all right. 
All right, so let's get into it. We're going to start off with some women's basketball, some women's college basketball, and that is because some history might be, might might just happen. I don't know. I'm going to say it does. Yeah. I think it does. So number three, Oregon, is going in to number four, Stanford, and Sabrina Ionescu needs nine more rebounds to have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 1,000 assists. And she'll be the first D1 player, period, to do that. Yeah, I think it's pretty incredible. I mean, that's something that literally has never been done before. So I hope that she can make it happen. And also, just on a side note, as much as I am positive that she's going to do this, and I hope that she does do this, it's going to be an incredibly difficult day for her because she's actually speaking at the funeral of Kobe that same exact day. So I can only imagine the kind of emotion it's going to be going through. So I really hope her all the best, and I hope that she can accomplish this against the number four team in the country because what an achievement yeah and also just kind of like a you know a tribute so yeah. maybe it's even more it's meant to happen even more so to have it all happen on the same day so of course i'm gonna pick oregon in this game for that exact reason i think that she will get the record regardless of if she gets it in this game which i think she will because she's been a triple double machine but if she doesn't get it in this game she's absolutely going to get it so i'm excited for her to be able to be breaking all these records across d1 basketball just in general men's and women's yeah, so I'm taking Oregon as well. I think that they get the dub. I think that she achieves the unachievable uh, currently, and I, I just I really hope the best for her. So we're going to move into some men's college basketball because we have a top 25 matchup, and that is going to be number 11, Louisville, taking on number 8, Florida State. I'm going to go with Florida State. I I know that last time I picked Louisville, or well, actually I picked against Louisville. They ended yeah. up winning, and then when I picked Louisville, they ended up losing, so... I don't know. This is just going to be me picking the team that I think is the better team, hands down. And also the coaching staff, personally. I'm a big fan of Florida State. I'm, I've been saying that. Um, yeah, you have. And what they've been able to do with the program. So I think the Florida State wins. This is also a huge game in terms of ACC play for matchups. So hopefully they can get the win. But I think it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere and a fantastic game. Yeah, I think Florida State pulls this one out, too. I think that they are the better team. I agree. Louisville has been a little bit inconsistent. They were doing really well, then they kind of were in a slump, and then they were doing really well again. And then they, they had lost. to beat Syracuse. Yeah, they did beat Syracuse, but right before Syracuse, they had lost a game. So I just think that because of that inconsistency, Florida State will end up winning just because they have been pretty consistent and have been a super strong team, especially against a lot of the ACC teams in their conference. Yeah, I agree with that statement. And then the next game we're going to pick in terms of men's college basketball is going to be number 20, Iowa, going into unranked Michigan State, who is thirsty, starving for a a big win. Yeah, I'm going to pick Michigan State in this game, which are you going to also? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Okay, good. So I'm going to pick Michigan State because, I, just like you said, I think they're desperate for a win. They did win their last game against Nebraska, but I think that hopefully that kind of boosts their momentum and their confidence to go in against a ranked team this time and get another win. Just like stack together two wins in a row because I think that that would give them a lot of confidence going into the NCAA tournament, into their conference tournament. I just think that they need to string together a few wins for their own sake. So because of that, I'm going to pick Michigan State. Yeah, and kind of like what we talked about a little bit earlier when we were doing like a, a foreshadowing to... March Madness predictions is Michigan State might go on a run. They might get hot and go on a run. So is this going to be the time when they when they kind of get things working for them and yeah. kind of right the ship? I think so, personally. 
Um, but yeah, I think that Michigan State wins. I think obviously it comes down to Cassius Winston. Yeah, it and always does. It always does, yeah. and how he can handle the game and, and handle the atmosphere and uh, how consistent he is. Yeah. So I still, with that being said, like Michigan State to get this big-time win against uh, number 20 Iowa. And now we're going to move into our final picks, and that is going to be some NBA. So we have the Bucks, 48-8, going into the Raptors who are 41-15. and 15. This is going to be one hell of a game. This really is going to be a super good game because both of these teams have just been rolling over people. Those records are speaking for themselves just based on the amount of wins that they have. Um, but I think that the Bucks are going to win just because they have like such an effortless, like, I don't, I don't even know what the right word is, like an effortless like winning ability, I don't they have know Giannis. that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but even like multiple other players on their no, team, know. like they are just able to do it, and they make it look easy. They make it look fun. They're just like pulling out wins left and right. Um, and I think it's just so effortless for them. And so because of that, I think that they're going to beat the Raptors and just continue on towards like a super impressive season and a super impressive record. Do you think that they make seventy wins this season? I do think that they make 70 wins. I think they might just get 70. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I agree with that. As much as the Raptors have been able to play fantastic basketball, with all of these injuries they've had, I think that the Bucks are just a different kind of basketball team. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I mean, they're the best team in the NBA right now, obviously. And so I think that with that being said, it's hard to pick against the Bucks. So I think that the Bucks go in there, they handle business. I think the Raptors give them a run for their money for yeah. at least the first Two, three quarters, and yeah. then the Bucks kind of show them, hey, Bucks we're the kings of the East. have a big third quarter, so I would probably That's true. anticipate to see this game. Most great teams do, because, yeah. I mean, look at the Warriors when they had those yeah. tons of runs. Their third quarter was the winning Super quarter. Strong, yeah. So, with that being said, we both picked the Bucks. We're being really, really on the same on page the same right game. now. I'm kind of happy and not. I don't really know how to feel, but <laughs> the final the game of our choosing, and I think we might be different in this one, okay. is the Pelicans sitting at 24 and 32. Going into LA to play the Lakers, who are forty-two and twelve, they didn't have Zion last time they played. I know, so I'm going to pick the Pelicans in this game because. Damn it. Oh, are we picking the same? Eh, you know what? You're picking them. I'm gonna go with the Lakers. Okay, well, I'm gonna pick the Pelicans because they played the Bucks super close, and because of that, the Bucks are a better team than the Lakers are. And I think that that gives them confidence, and I think that they just have confidence in general to be able to pull off a win against the Lakers. Um, so I'm going to pick them. I think Zion is a massive asset to them, clearly. But the other players have finally kind of grouped in together, and they've gotten kind of what their team is supposed to look like. So I'm going to pick them. Yeah, so I was going to just because I was feeling it. But you know what? Now that I'm thinking <laughs> about it, looking at it on paper, you got to go with King James and Anthony Davis in this one. It's also in L.A. As great as Zion is and as great as the Pelicans are looking I think that they still have a chance to reach the playoffs, but I don't think that this is going to be the start to anything crazy. I think that the Lakers are able to beat them. And I also just think that the rest that the Lakers have been able to have, well, maybe not LeBron or AD, but the rest of the team, <laughs> I think that helps too. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm pretty sure Morris is going to be playing, so it'll be interesting to see how he does in, in his first game as a Laker. Yeah. 
So that is going to conclude our GG picks of the day. So once again, make sure you are tuning in to GG Talk Sports because we always share our picks of the episode and love to get your feedback there as well. So hop on over and make sure you're following. And once again, like we said, make sure you're subscribed over here too to make sure you're getting, make sure, make sure, make sure that you're getting the notification every time we post a new episode every Monday and Thursday. Yeah, and thank you guys. Like we always say so much for listening and tuning in. We appreciate every single listen and every single share. And uh, yeah, you guys just have a fantastic rest of your week. Stay tuned for episode 25. We're going to be talking about some MLS expansion because, uh, yeah, soccer season is here, guys. So everybody stay tuned for that one, and we will see you guys next time. Enjoy some sports.